This is a Momentum Media production. Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing. Hi okay, everyone, how are you going? Phil Tarrant, uh, co-host Inside Commercial Property. Recording in the studio. We're back in business after the fatigue that was Zoom and COVID-19 when we launched this uh, great podcast, now the most popular commercial property podcast in Australia, which is a um, pretty cool accolade to have. We didn't think it would be that when we set out uh, producing it. The idea was just to help Australian commercial investors better understand how to go about effective investing in commercial property rather than residential property, but it uh, seems to have resonated, which is good, probably not me. Is the reason why it's probably my co-host Scott O'Neill, who's the founder director at Rethink Investing, is the guy behind this uh, idea, and uh, I'm just sort of carrying him along part of the way. Scott, how you going, mate? You well? Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. It's good. So we um last time we got together pre-election, we spoke about uh, some of the feedback that we've been getting, which was pretty good, and the fact that we sort of were concentrating a fair bit on the economy and what's going on and how it's all shaping things, and you know, and rightfully, you know, all those issues wider macro, micro economic factors which are shaping the way in which Aussies are conducting business, inflation, supply chain challenges, et al, all that sort of stuff. And we come to the conclusion, Scott, that it was right for us to talk about this stuff because commercial property is essentially the property that businesses operate within. So therefore, commercial property is intrinsically connected with business health and business sentiment, which is intrinsically connected with the economy. So we had that discussion uh, last week, which is good, and we asked for more feedback. And I'd like to thank all those people who have been providing feedback to us. And um, universally, one of the current or common themes is more case study type stuff, Scott, is what people want. Uh, Jamie, uh, in particular, and Jamie, just shout out to you, mate. Thanks for writing in uh, to Scott. We do appreciate uh, the feedback. It helps us really help shape our discussions uh, every month and how we can best serve uh, the community of property investors, commercial property investors out there. And he wrote uh, quite a long note, uh, Jamie, thank you. But he's spoken about uh, once customer testimonial of purchasing process where they bought sort of examples, take up the whole episode would be really good. Negotiation examples, I had to negotiate and examples of that. Case examples of clients two, three, five years after purchase, uh, issues they've encountered, that's really good stuff. Uh, lease renegotiation or loss of tenant migration. That's really important stuff. Uh, maybe specific uh, episodes with more financial detail. Uh, and he speaks to your book about that, uh, that you wrote, which has a lot of info around it. Interviewing a commercial sales agent, I think that'd be really good. Mm. See if they can uncover all their secrets, their tricks that they uh, make make it hard for us to deal with them. But it's really good feedback. And th- thanks, Jamie. So you're giving us some really good uh, topics there to help uh, shape um, the coming a series of inside commercial property. But uh, one of the, uh, Scott, one of the the purposes, and we spoke about this a couple of podcasts ago, of me buying a commercial property with your team over at Rethink Investing was to actually have a really good real-life case study that we knew was actual. I knew about it because I was actually buying through it. And we sort of set the goal to to uh, secure a commercial asset, which I'm buying inside of my, my super fund. And my brief to you and your team was, Let's buy something that is pretty much what most people would be buying. So it's as relevant an example as, as possible. And I sort of gave you guys a budget about a million to about a million point two, I think, mm-hmm. by memory, which was sort of a, a classic sort of place where people would be buying, i.e. sort of 400 or grand in super uh, that you can channel into the purchase. And we've gone through 
a uh, bit of a hit and miss. We've been looking at different markets right across Australia. And the last time we got together, we spoke about how the next time that we spoke, we'd, we'd give some more details on that purchase. And I'm happy to report that today will be a podcast where we speak specifically about that. And, and for some of those uh, who know me, uh, know I've been out on the road uh, the last month or so right across Australia presenting to mortgage brokers looking at the mortgage market and the interconnected real estate sector. Well, those people that saw me in the plane saw me flying out to Perth recently to speak at the Better Business Summit. And yes, I was in Perth to speak at that large event, but I was also in Perth to look at a property, which was a secondary consideration, but the timing was perfect. So I've just given away where I am securing a property inside of my super fun. It is in Perth. And uh, this podcast today, we'll go into some details around that. But Scott, some places we missed off before we got there. Yeah, so we'll go through the process. I'm looking back at when you signed up, which it looks like it was in December. So December, the brief was, like you said, 1, 1.2. There was a bit of a flex in that, as you mentioned. So straight away, we started looking. I think I sent you a property about two or three weeks after. This one was in the Newcastle region. It was like an industrial showroom type property. It was uh, 1.25 mil decent property. We're looking at a yield of, it was 5.52, which is not bad for that area. You passed on that area, I think mostly just because of your stamp duty implications in New South Wales. You already had a fair few objects or properties in that market. So we looked at that one, uh, passed on it, first property. Um, I always find that clients like to look at more than one property anyway. So you need context behind your decision. So the next property I sent you was one you actually liked, and, and we tried to get this one. It was up in the trade coast of Brisbane. Uh, very similar yield in the mid-fives, but like blue chip market. It was a warehouse office combination. It had a three-year lease on it. Nice, attractive-looking property, uh, 1.45 mil. And um, yeah, we tried to get it, but as this was an off-market deal, but the agent basically uh, sent it to one other person off-market, and they paid cash for it at a higher price. So we got blown out of the water there. Then we moved on to another one. So this is about a month later. Uh, this one was more expensive. It was a 1.98 mil one. It, it was like a chemist warehouse arrangement. And I think we we're just pushing the budget a little bit too far for the initial brief. But, you know, it was a chemist warehouse. It had 4% increases in it. You know, blue chip tenant, just under a 6% yield, like very good proposition, but it was nearly $2 million. So it was a, I was stretching the brief basically. And then... After that, we looked at a Townsville asset. This is a freehold one, industrial five-year lease. It was like a well-known card uh, smash repair type. So it was a bit of a more dirty tenant, but like it was a big freehold parcel. So we're looking at a 7% yield on this one, uh, older building. But that wasn't really floating your boat. I think uh, you like the idea of something more low maintenance because it's your super fund. And yeah, that one had a quite a large building on it. It was sitting over two titles as well. Sometimes multiple titles can cause problems with super mm. funds because you get a, you know, they, they like single dwelling, single, uh, in, or they, it's just got to be on single titles. Otherwise, you might be up for extra costs. And then we landed on the deal you ended up proceeding with, which was in Perth. So, yeah, th this one was like in a front row position in a complex and it was a, a mid 6% net yield. And it was a really clean property, and yeah, it was was super clean and nice bit of importantly also some 
diversification. This is inside my super and I don't really have a lot of exposure over in Perth. So it was good to get into that market. And everyone's been looking at Perth for ages and the commercial market there is hot at the moment. You know, the good thing was is that fortunately I had to be in Perth at a very similar time to to when this deal was coming to a conclusion. So, you know, heading out and checking out the property. It, to be fair though, I was there for like five minutes, right? And I just <laughs> went, yep. Yeah. It looks like the pictures. Not a lot, really. It's very, very different to Resi and, and uh and, and therein is like, you know, some of the difference with the commercial property. But but top line, um, this particular asset and we look at sort of going back to asset selection, we'd filtered down looking at, at industrial over uh, retail or or office base as part of the brief. So we didn't even look at any of those stuff. We said, look, let's get good mid market, industrial, warehousing type, new economy type sort of assets where a big need for the type uh, of storage and good areas where uh, there is a need for those sort of trades-based type stuff. So that's what we went with. Um, this particular uh, asset, uh, it's in the city of Swan, uh, for those that know. I'm not going to tell you exactly where it is, but it's in the city of Swan, uh, about 20 minutes from the airport, uh, smack bang in the middle of major arterial road uh, junctions, only is industrial land area. Scott, 763 square metres. Net lettable area is 603 square metres. Uh, the tenant in there, the sort of a trades-based goods and materials, so they service the electrical trade. Uh, lease term there, Scott, three years, three months, and seven days at the time of the due diligence. It's got a whale, W-A-L-E, 3.278. Most people are going to go, what's that? Yeah, weighted average lease expiry. So it's probably more of a relevant comment when you've got multiple leases. So mm. imagine you've got three years of leases and there's three of them and they're all on three-year leases. They average out at three. But if you got one at 10 years and one at zero years, your average whale is five over it. So yeah, it's effectively telling you the lease term left in the lease. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good way to view it. Uh, car parking has got 12 on-site car parks per the title. Outgoings, about 18 grand a year. Purchase price, uh, $1,050,000. Net income, Scott, and this was uh, quite attractive, seventy grand. Annual reviews on CPI, options on the lease, two times three-year options, and a net yield, and this is the attractive number, it's 6.67%. Yeah, and it was one of the separating factors with a couple of the other ones. We're finding Perth, it's a little bit earlier on in the growth cycle, mm. so you're getting the yields you were getting in Brisbane two years ago. The yields are compressing very quick, so I expect this to have quite a lot of capital growth for you. A lot more than you'll think too, because they're, they're already starting to sell similar assets like this into the mid five net yields, which means people are paying more for that same rent value. So mm. people are seeing value. The CPI in Perth is through the roof at the moment. So you're going to get about a 6% rise in your rent next annual review. So yeah, the rents are going to go up quite quickly. There's going to be compression on it. Anyone who thinks there's no capital growth in commercial property just needs to talk to you on this asset in a few years' time, and uh, yeah, you're, you're going to see some very good results. Yeah, and we'll talk about some of the strategy around it. So to get some sense for it, just imagine a smaller industrial complex, I think there's about 20, 20 um, different places inside of this asset in a in industrial, a very established industrial area of Perth, really good access to all the the roads in and out of it, everything is there. It's a sort of modern industrial high bay, industrial warehouse. So it's got like a, a little showroom. It's got an office section. Then it's got all the the factory bit out the back where everything is stored with you know forklifts driving around and boxes and shelves and everything everywhere. And there's an upstairs mezzanine type office area. There's a couple of toilets there. There's kitchen. There's all the usual stuff. It, it, imagine 
any industrial complex anywhere in Australia, it looks exactly like that. At least currently, at least out of the 2025 options uh, based on those um, things set in the lease to 2031, which is pretty cool if you can keep that sort of uh, CPI increases if CPI increase, uh, continues to go. The company that's in there uh, supplies uh, resi and commercial customers across Australia and New Zealand since 1988, so it's been around quite a long time, uh, this particular company who's in there. The warehouse is clear span, high truss, uh, accessible via a large roller door and office space over two floors, so heaps of natural light, really good street exposure. It's the front of a range of commercial assets along there in this area, which has like manufacturing, direct sales, logistics, e-commerce and storage. So it is the front one. It looks good. It's got big windows at large. It's well-designed. It's within a sort of core northern industrial market of this part of Perth, 12 kilometres from the Perth CBD. So if anyone knows, I reckon you get some sleuths out there, we'll probably go and try and work out where that is. If you do, you can email Scott, tell us where it is, 70 k's from the airport, uh, major roads, Reed Highway, Mitchell Freeway and Tonkin Highway. So let's see if anyone can work out where it is. And if there is, uh, Scott will buy you a steak dinner. There you go. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. A lot um, of listeners, mate. Yeah. It'll be a busy month ahead. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so the... Tenant looks good, and interestingly, this is a leaseback, so yep. they they currently own the property. Let's have a chat about that. What does that mean? So leasebacks are a common purchase for us. Like so, there's sometimes red flags with leasebacks because everyone worries why is the tenant selling or the owner. A lot of the re- like, well, this reason is I'll read it because this is part of the due diligence report we said in red. It says why is he selling? Seller who also occupies the property are looking to release capital for the sale, but they have put the lease in place to protect the ongoing operations of the business. There's multiple directors in this. One of the directors wants his money, effectively, and they're just splitting affairs to a degree, but the business remains a commodity that needs to keep going ahead. And leasebacks are only risky, in my opinion, if you think they're selling because their business is going down quickly or the rent is well inflated, which leads me on to the next part of our due diligence, which is checking the rental comparables. So page eight of this report we sent you, it's got an average, well, the average um, square meter rate for this property is 116 a square meter, which is quite low for industrial properties nationally for this type of stuff. Like you, this would rent for probably a 150 a square meter in Brisbane, Sydney, a little bit higher, Melbourne, similar to Sydney, you know, it could be sort of 180, that type of that for this size. Even in regional cities, it can be in the mid 100. So 116 a square meter passes the comparables test from a national point of view, which makes me think there's value in Perth. So you're saying it's the Perth rents aren't over-inflated compared to national averages, and this particular asset isn't over-inflated, is it? Correct. So the average rate in Perth for this style of asset is about 120, and that's for much older sheds too. So this one, I would probably place a market rental value about 130, but then there's also upside in the general market as it plays a bit of catch up to the rest of the country because there's no reason why Perth should be cheaper than regional areas. Stock is quite tight. So you're going to see that catch up factor through or basically flow through the market over the next few years, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, 116 is a good rate. It shows they haven't inflated the rent for the sale. If anything, they've gone unders, which shows they've got long-term vested interest to stay here because they want to pay a fair rent value. So that passed the leaseback test. And yeah, if anything, you've got a nice cashed up tenant as well. So that's the other way to look at it. 
So with this, looking at the lease back, and, and it's a key thing, right? You've got to look at this why. You go, or just, just ask those cascading questions, why, 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 until you're satisfied as a buyer that you're actually getting the facts that you that you want. Now, the lease security, though, on this is like 10 grand, but they haven't given a personal guarantee. Is that something we should be concerned about? Good question. It's This comes up quite daily. So everything's negotiable in a lease. So they're putting 10 grand down. The reason why we're not going higher, and we can ask for that. It's just a function of will it crash the deal? Will it really add value to you? If you, let's say, get three months of rent extra, like a three-month bond is pretty standard. Mm. That's what you work with. And that, you know, you're not far off that in this case. So I know this market quite well. To release this property, you'd be less than, you'd be looking at probably a two-month period to lease up. So I'm not fearful of you having a very long vacancy because there's simply nothing available like this in the market at that price. If your tenant left, if anything, you'll get more rent and maybe even a longer lease. Like you might lock someone in for a five-year lease at a higher value. So, you know, there's no real great downside in that. But if you bought a different type of asset, like like a large retail shop front or a showroom and that went vacant, you're looking at much longer vacancies. So you'd mm. probably be focusing a lot more on trying to lock in big deposits or, you know, personal guarantees of, of the sort. But yeah, we're quite confident in this business. You're getting an above average yield for the market. The CPI is a big win as well. You know, that I think you're if you're going to negotiate, you could trade things for CPIs back to a 3% to get more bonds. Like it's all just a business negotiation at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sort of satisfied with that. And and speaking like, you know, it's, it's good looking at a, this report that your team has put together, which is very informative. But for me, it was all about, and it was serendipitous, the fact that I was in Perth. I, I've been in Perth for some time. So that I could actually get on the ground and have a nose around and speak to the agent. And, and she was like, you'd move this thing in a heartbeat if you didn't have a tenant in it. There's people lighting up for this stuff at the moment. So I don't really have too many concerns about that. Yeah. And looking at the actual numbers on your property. So we've ended up securing this for 1.05 mil, which was below your budget. Again, one of the other reasons this one was quite attractive. It's, it's just a good dollar for dollar deal. I think you gave me an interest rate of about 4% for your super fund. So we just plugged the numbers in. So assuming you're putting a 30% cash down plus all the costs, that includes stamp duty, yes, solicitor cost, valuation, like it's going to equate to just under 400K, 395 to be exact, Mm. is the cash you'll be putting into this deal at settlement. The loan will do the rest. You're getting 70 grand income on that. So if you minus your mortgage, your 70% mortgage on this, you're going to be clearing a 40,600 net cash flow. Year one. Year one, which grows to, you know, probably about 45 year two with the interest rates and CPIs and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, pretty good return, 800 a week for doing absolutely nothing other than collecting the rent. The tenant pays your management. It pays your strata in this case. They pay, there's no building insurance because the strata covers that. So it is a true net return. And, and for those of you who are still on the fence of resi versus commercial, this is one of the areas where commercial beats resi in spades is around the, the cost for holding the properties offset to the actual tenant rather in resi. you got to pay for most things. Um, and the outgoing analysis, outgoings is just a commercial term for what stuff you got to pay as a result of holding commercial property. Council rates, that's about 8000 bucks a year. Water and waste rates is two grand. Land tax is eleven hundred bucks. Body corporate, 
2800 bucks. The insurance, as Scott mentioned, is, is covered by the body corporate. And then your management fee, you're in for about sort of five odd percent there. So call that three and a half grand. So total outgoing, Scott, on this is, is 20 grand, right? Yeah. And you can see from this table we presented, we go to the decimal point because we actually verify these numbers. And this is what anyone should do when they purchase a commercial property, actually get statements and check do two things, get the actual invoices and also check the payment history through ledgers because sometimes the tenant's not paying land tax and they should have been. You need to see proof the tenant's paying because although the lease mates state that they have to pay land tax, maybe the owner hasn't been pushing that and that could lead you to a, it's a management issue. If anything, mm. you're going to basically tell the tenant, sorry, we've got some bad news. Uh, you've got to pay this new invoice and they're, they're going to do it, but it's just going to be a management problem and you're going to be dealing with a disgruntled tenant so if you can iron all that out before settlement, it's preferable. Yeah, it's really handy. You want to sort that stuff out. So seventy grand. So the seventy grand uh, a year is essentially just the um, uh, little area times uh, how much it is a square meter equals seventy thousand dollars. And you sit there thinking, wow, there's twenty grand a cost for holding this property. What's well, not? Because it's all paid by the tenant, right? So mm. the only cost you have in holding this particular asset is the mortgage once you've secured it. That's there's right. nothing really else you got to. So when you look at the numbers, you go, oh, that, that sounds really simple, right? 70 grand in rent, you're paying out 30 grand in interest. So it's not, that's just the interest payment. Leaves you with 40 or grand, 41 grand, right? Um, return on equity, so pure cash flow is about 10%, which is not bad going. So what you do is work out, well, do I just, what do I do with that $40,000, $41,000 a year? You know, we'll pay the interest off, right? Yeah. It'd be the correct. simplest thing to do. And obviously, ten years at forty thousand, and it grows like by year ten, you're actually clearing eighty-eight thousand. So you can see, you know, you're not collecting four hundred thousand over ten years. It's growing on itself quite. You know, it's compounding on itself essentially. So, you know, you might be clearing five hundred and fifty thousand over ten years, which you know that's almost your debt gone. Mm. So you could choose to put it back into your debt, and that's a calculation we often run for clients. What's the payback period on the property? For your property here, it's probably about 12 years, the payback period. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty handy result if you have a debt-free property in 12 years and it's probably going to be worth about 1.6 mil in that time as well. So you've got a debt-free 1.6 mil asset clearing nearly 100 grand in about 12 years' time. Yeah, which is worthwhile, right? Yeah, and a very low risk way of getting it as well. Yeah. Like, there's many ways to get a hundred grand passive income in property. It's you know, there's many books written on this, but you can do it with a well, million dollar commercial one property. property. Yeah, yeah, you know, one property in um, twelve years' time. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that's what appeals. It's you know, it's, it doesn't set the world on fire. You don't see they go, well, that's like that's retirement money, mm. um, but it's a hundred grand in your pocket. Yeah, and year. if you can replicate that. Few times over, you're, yeah. uh, you're, you're doing very doing well. Okay, yeah, I, I do like how your team has presented these numbers. Um, yeah, eighty-eight. So you be by that point in time with those increases that you've you've put in there, is eighty-eight grand in in income. Yep. Uh, every year, so the net income every year, which can go a long way. That's right, and, and sort of the next part of the report, we really just go into things like the easements and you know checking. There's no deal breakers on the property. So we, we obviously have reviewed a building and pest report. Your report was very clean. Like I'll read the comments. We had the car park line markings are faded, not really a big issue. There was some cracked glass. So we've requested the owners to uh, fix that, which they've agreed. There's only two items. So 
expect more items in general with commercial property because you're dealing with big business. You know, this is a 600 square meter building. So that's like the equivalent of three houses in size. So to only have two little items, it's you're quite lucky in this case. And yeah, there's a, a bad building report, I actually think is an opportunity unless it's a severe issue, but you can often negotiate, you know, $2 for every $1 you'll need in reality. Like if there's 50 grand damage, you might get 100K off the price. So it's all dependent on the market and the asset and the owner, of course, but you know, that's what we'll do, negotiate items that must be fixed. But remember, the tenant pays your your maintenance as well. So often it's just a notification process for them to sort it out. What, what I was going to ask about, Scott, and it's good to pick through the numbers, uh, you had a really good chart as part of this DD around economic trends. You talk about suburb rent growth, uh, dollars per square metre uh, per annum. And this is in this area of Perth, right, which is largely an industrial precinct. From back in, in 2016, it was 110 bucks a square metre, sort of bottom of the market in 17, it was down to like 98 bucks. And then it spiked, and you're probably looking at the same, between 2018 and 2020, it ratcheted up from about 100 bucks a square metre to 170 bucks a square metre. And then, and that was in um the back end of 2020, Sorry, the start of 2020 peaked, and then it bottomed out in five months' time back to 100 bucks a square metre. You look at that and just got the – wall I'm seeing here is a huge bubble uh, in, in what is a pretty linear standardised rate for rents. And then it sort of peaked a little get, bit again in 2021, then it's sort of come right back again to under 100 bucks a square metre, and it's sort of slowly now on an upwards trajectory moving forward. What happened during that period of time where you got this massive bubble – of rents rocketing up to 170 bucks a square meter. Was that like a supply supply side issue? Yeah. So my knowledge of it was there was some new releases of smaller, higher value, higher square meter rate industrial properties. So one of the problems with looking at square meter rates through these automatic reports is it's off the back of not much data. So it's, it's suburb related. So it can be easy to be skewed. So it's like when you see a residential suburb with 50% growth. Maybe there's a new house and land package, you know, release go up in a regional town and it shot the values way above the fibro houses in that area. So similar trend with this, but but you can definitely see there is an upward trend, but there is that kind of in the middle, like you said, that bubble, which looks completely unnatural versus sort of the long-term patterns. And it's at a time when we weren't seeing rents increase. Perth mm. in 2018, 19, there was not much great economic growth happening. It was plateauing at that stage. Um, we've seen the rapid growth really only in the last probably 12 months, maybe 18 months out there. So that market's it's been a, been quite good through COVID, but um, yeah, seeing an average rate of 170, the only way that you can explain that is just some smaller properties that don't have the economies of scale going from shooting the average rate up above. And yeah, basically they've flowed through onto this graph. Mm. So where we are with this right now, all the contracts have been signed and it's all um, unconditional. So the it's booked for settlement. And by the time this podcast goes away, we'll probably be right on settlement. So um, too late for everyone else. It's goodbye. <laughs> and you know what's really good? I was sort of walking around the the area a bit and having a nose around. Um, it looked really well kept. Like the first thing I remember is I got pulled up in front of a taxi out the front. It had the best grass on the on the street. Like it was well cut and looks like someone cared for it. All the 
the hedges were trimmed and um, there was no litter in the in the parking areas. It looked really quite neat. Does that matter? Does that give you a sense for how it's managed? Oh, look, it does for businesses. Like you never really want to place your business in something that looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as important for residential. You know, if you go into a bad street, it's yeah, it, it's a long way back to to get things to where you need to be. But like. It will dictate the types of tenants you get. Like mm. if it has a bit of a corporate feel, you'll have more of a professional service type tenant. If it's just a dirty big tin shed, you're going to have all sorts of tenants, which might be equally good at paying your rent. It's just a different type. You know, mechanics, people that are storing like civil materials, like they don't, well, they'll destroy any grass around because they're probably driving big trucks over it. So it's really, uh, yeah, it's tenant dependent, but Look, it's always good to have a well-maintained strata building, which is one of the benefits of having a strata because mm. it's like a second set of eyes over your property. Yeah, it is good. Now, sort of, this probably all sounds good and, and we're pressing ahead with it, which is good. Any Anything curly, anything with hairs on it with this, anything we need to be worried about, do you think? Uh, look, No, look, the only thing would be probably just the leaseback scenario, like if it was like you'd always prefer a non-lease back, but like I said, if we know the reason for it, we've effectively done the due diligence and passed that topic. So uh, the releaseability of this is strong. Perth is at a really good time in the cycle to buy, in my opinion. And yeah, look, obviously the, the rising interest rate environment is something that every investor must consider. So factor in higher interest rates, if you can deal with that, that's really nothing to do with this property. That's just more being a good investor. So, yeah, but, but you, you look at worst case scenario this to, to hold this property, even if interest rates quadrupled, there's enough fat in there. You, you'd have to, you, you wouldn't be able to be paying off the principal component of it, but you could hold this property for quite a long time if interest rates spiked uh, yeah. at an interest only level. So, so the worst case scenario is can you hold this asset in your super fund? I, I can't see something drastic would have to happen in order to necessitate selling this asset. Correct. And the commercial market, people forget there's nowhere near as much debt in there as a percentage. Mm. Like most people we buy these properties from have like less than 50% debt on them. And the main reasons for that is they've bought it, you know, they've held it for a decade and they've probably had, you know, no debt left on it. So what I'm seeing on the coalface with these interest rate, you know, hikes coming is we're seeing less entry level commercial investors because they're the ones that get spooked generally. We're finding like the amount of leads we're getting through to the Rethink's business is actually, it's probably dropped off somewhat, but there's larger clients at the moment because I think there's more people, like in your, your situation, Phil, where you've got a lot of residential properties and they're thinking now I've got to fix the cash flow dynamic in my portfolio a little bit more. So that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing overall less investors, but more experienced investors looking at this and, and new investors that have never looked at commercial property, which I'm finding very interesting. And Quite similar to what happened in 2018 when APRA was playing around with uh, the serviceability calculators. Mm. It feels very similar to that. And commercial mm. did very well after that period. Well, you know, we, we've got a new government now, um, Anthony Albanese, uh, the new uh, Prime Minister, uh, the Labor Party, which is, uh, we've covered quite a lot on smartpropertyinvestment.com and all our other platforms here at Momentum Media. And I note, your know, markets are up on the backs of that, uh, there seems to be at least some confidence now that we know what the next three and a half years look like and who's in power. What does that mean, do you think, for commercial markets? Uh, going back to this this fundamental point of commercial markets are intrinsically connected with, with the economy. And yeah, well, run. look, Albanese is saying he's passing the same tax cuts back to business, so small business will do well from that. There's also 
he's saying that he's going to work with business to help deliver those efficiencies to help get pay rises for for workers. So look, I think overall this is all good for the types of commercial properties we're buying. Like manufacturing is a focus for this government as well. Like so. You know, I think no matter what happened with the election, the fact it's over is going to be a better thing because it's back to business and um, people still have the same retirement goals Mm. and there's a solution that commercial property can provide and it is a higher income asset that you can hold long term and hedge your bets against inflation, which we discussed in that last podcast. So there were no big gotchas in this election for commercial property. So I really can't see anything other than just the, the whole inflation and uh, supply chain issues, which will sort of weigh on, on certain businesses being the factor. Yeah, and I see um, Peter Dutton is now the new uh, leader of the opposition with um, the, the party prime minister has chosen not to to lead the coalition or Liberal Party anymore. And, and even he's sort of saying, oh, we need to get back to sort of grassroots business rather than the big business, big end of town. And you need to remember there's only 3,500 large businesses in Australia. So these are companies with more than 200 employees. It's not a lot. Mm. You know, it's 50-odd thousand medium-sized businesses. There's like a million small and micro businesses. And and typically, they're the, the type of organisations and businesses that tenant these sort of properties, right? They're, they're not the big end of town. Yeah. And, uh, and you can see the, um, the new Labor government will be, no doubt, I think, really connected in with uh, supporting the SME sector in Australia. So be interesting to see how it all pans out. But for property investors... No real alarms or concerns. No, other than, like I said, the interest rate scenarios. So, like, if you factor in, you know, a percent and a half rise or, you know, everyone's – no one knows. Like, mm. this is the thing. Like, economists will inevitably get it wrong. And so, you and I have no hope, but we can just go with our gut and play the long-term game. But I see interest rates going up. Let's say it goes up one and a half percent. That will have no real material impact on – commercial property other than the lowest yielding ones becoming less desirable. So there will be a flight towards yield. You'll see continual growth for those who have got uh, you know well-placed assets. And I think it's just understanding the, the leasing market, which there is a lot of leasing going on right now in 2022. There's a bit of pent-up growth happening. So yeah, look, I, 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 see, I see less downside than I did a year ago at yeah. the moment. And the magic number here for this property is that net yield which is 6.67, right? Yeah. And so what that's essentially the the free cash flow you get each year on this over the purchase price, right? It's the easiest way to work that out for people who are wondering what that is. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. And that's hard to replicate. Like a 6.67 is generally what you'll find in a regional property. But if you actually look at the numbers and just if you wash that down to say a 6% flat, it's a still really good return. So I never get too fixated on that day one yield because it's more important what's going to happen over a 10, 20 year period. Because if mm. you're buying a property that will have good rent growth, imagine you get one extra percent each year through growth. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter about that day one yield. It's what's the rent going to be in 10 years' time? And if it's uh, if it's 10% higher, that's yeah, it has a huge impact on your average yield over a 10 year period. Yeah. And you look at this this property here, you know, you kick it off at 70 grand rent in year one. In year 10, it's at 97 grand and that's through CPI increases, right? Yeah. Uh, so the yield each year at that is 9.33%. That's a net yield, 9.33% at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. And you could probably, you know, assuming you could sell that off at a 6%, you know, it's a 40% odd difference. Yeah. Good going. All right, Scott, I think we've done uh, well there. So the idea of that was just to unveil where we'd bought, what we'd bought. Uh, be interested to see if any sleuths can work it out. 
But there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's going on in the background that we need to chat through as part of this, and that's sort of the the legal work that's been going on, which is yeah. quite onerous. Yeah. So, like, next steps from here um, is we've got to sort your property management out. So, one of the tips we've got, use, use a property manager who understands your asset class. There's no point getting someone who only deals with office to manage a you know, an industrial or a retail, like you want to get specific managers because they'll have the contacts in the right space. Same goes, never use a residential guy to do commercial. I've mm. tried that because I had a really good resi guy and uh, yeah, it, it didn't work Very out. Um, no. So back to the, the professionals. Uh, insurance is something we're normally sorting out at this period, but yep. due to it being strata, your there's currently a certificate of currency already in, in that strata. We've checked, it's valid. So no insurance needed. Good. And you're really just getting through to settlement. So that's just like your residential properties. You've got to put all your money in a certain bank account. Your bank's got to then uh, do a PEXA you know, transfer and away you go. You own the property. Yep, there you go. And um, another big part of this is the lending side of it. So I'll do a podcast specifically on that with Scott. We'll get someone in and have a yarn with us about um, financing this particular asset, uh, which has been reasonably straightforward, as straightforward as you would expect. Uh you know, I've got a lot of been through the lending process quite a lot. A little bit more complicated inside a self-managed super fund, but in many ways a lot simpler. Uh, so I look forward to sort of uh, running that through uh, with you all and sharing how we sort of went about that and what worked and what didn't work and all those sort of things. But um, good, Scott. Well, thanks, mate. Thanks to you and your team uh, for sorting this out. I know they've been very patient with me, and I'm sure uh, in those Monday morning meetings you have, they sit there complaining about me not getting back to them and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but I, I told you that's the way it was going to be beforehand. Mate, you did warn me, yeah. and we are we're getting there. So we're getting there. No yeah, stress. it's just it's just it's funny, right? Because I just go, I know it's important, but I go. The thing is that you do a lot of it, and it's funny. You put it in perspective. Some people would be like quite jittery about it. I'm just like, yeah, it'd be right. I know, I know, I know when something becomes an issue, and then until it comes an issue, I just go, yeah, it'd be right. Don't worry yeah. about it. Don't worry. I know what you mean. Which is like, frustrating to to no doubt to people. But just before I drove here uh, to see you, my my solicitor called and said, you know, you got settlement tomorrow. It's a property I put under contract like three months ago. Yeah. It's just a little, little development type thing, and uh, so yeah, after this, I'm going to the bank and quickly sorting it so really i'm yeah. uh, i'm like you mate I, you're I gonna just, take you paying cash are you so we're gonna do that one's a it's it's a small purchase so yeah, yeah that yeah. would be worth getting the banks involved yeah, okay <laughs> <laughs> ashtray <laughs> money ashtray money well that's uh, scott o'neill any questions scott um and and around this uh you contact the team uh, over there at rethink investing and i can't remember what the email address is i'll tell you what it is it's uh we actually got um feedback to that specific uh, they went straight to you, I think. Was yeah, was... info at rethinkinvesting.com.au. And something we'll we'll look at doing over the next uh, few episodes is probably get a sales agent in. So that that feedback was great from Jamie. And um, I'm thinking of doing like the three stages of commercial investing. So probably get an entry level investor in, sort of a mid range, like mum and dad, you know, going for their 200k type goal, and then maybe a high net worth guy. So you could see all different angles or client types that we deal with and um, and just understanding their different goals and we'll sort of break down the assets we're going through. So yeah, I've got to, got to find uh, people willing to talk and you know, it's a little bit hard. It's People are quite private in this space, but yeah, we've got a couple of people that we can reach out. But if you want to, um, yeah, if you want to be one of those, let cool. us know. Sounds good. Info Reefing Investing, go and check it out. You can also find uh, reefinginvesting.com.au or go and find them on their Facebook. There's always lots of stuff going on there. 
that's it. That's the commercial purchase that you've been waiting to hear about. Um, I hope we went into enough uh, details for you. Uh, there's not much more detail we can go into. Uh, pretty straightforward, but we shared all the, the ins and outs of that and why it works and what we like about it and um, where those sort of red, red sort of, well, not really red, pink flags are because they're not bright red. Uh, are and, and we're all right across it so uh, happy to proceed uh, hope you enjoyed that remember there's lots of episodes uh, inside commercial property just go and search for it wherever you listen to podcasts uh, we'll see you again next time until then bye bye